Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Talk for Two. In just a few moments, we are going to take you live to tape to Midtown Manhattan with Marty Rabin and Mike McGuire, better known as the front two-fifths of the iconic country music group Shenandoah. They recently stopped in my neck of the woods in New York City to promote a new album called Reloaded. The new album features nine live renditions of the band's hits, including Next to You, Next to Me, Sunday in the South, and Two Dozen Roses. And reloaded they really are, because there are also three brand new studio tracks produced by one of my favorite record producers and favorite artists. He's a member of Rascal Flatts, Mr. J. DeMarcus. Reloaded dropped on March 16th. In this freewheeling interview, we discuss everything from fan interaction to Marty's return to the group and the recent additions to their lineup of five musicians, the most recent being in 2016. At the forefront of Rabin and McGuire's minds are ideas for new music and how they can update their sound while staying true to their classic country roots. Taking their name, Shenandoah, at the suggestion of label executives early in their career, the gentlemen also open up about their early days on the road and how performing as an in-house bar band helped hone their sound. Here now to talk about what a blessing their career has been, our interview with Shenandoah. So welcome, gentlemen. How are thank you? Thank you. Doing good, doing man. Great, Pr- man. Proud to be with you today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, thank you so much for making the time to do this in your beautiful hotel here in Midtown. Now, Mike, I want to get started with you. I want a little bit know more about the founding of the band. I think I read you started as a house band. We did. And how did CBS and Col- you get Columbia's attention? Well, the way the whole thing started, my brother was a songwriter for a guy down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama uh, named Rick Hall. And uh, Rick was a legendary record producer. He produced uh, Aretha Franklin, Mac Davis, Wilson Pickett. He produced some of the biggest pop records in the 60s and the 70s that's ever been. And uh, my brother was a songwriter for him. And so because I guess I was his little brother, I was able to kind of go and come as I pleased to the studio and decided that I wanted to be in the music business too. The songwriting fascinated me. And so uh, uh, a friend of his called me one day and said, hey, I'm going to start a new band at a club up the street. I'd like for you to be my, my drummer. And I said, oh, I'd love to. It gives me a, I make a little money and hang out at Fame Recorder Studio all day long. And so I took the job with him, and, and he also hired a guy named Jim Seals, who was our original guitar player, and Stan Thorne, our original keyboard player. And uh, eventually, over a couple years' time, he had gone, and so had the bass player, I'd met Marty in Nashville. Uh, my brother had moved on to Nashville, and Marty and my brother had uh, struck up a friendship, and that's how I got to know him. So when we lost our lead singer at the club we were at, I called Marty and said, hey, man, we need a, need a lead singer to this club we're at. I said, you, are you interested in taking that job? And he did, and he moved down to Alabama from Nashville and started working with us at the club at nighttime. And during the daytime, he also you know, was able to come and go in the recording studio like the rest of us. And there was a songwriter there named Robert Byrne that came and heard us one night at the club and uh, thought we had something special and uh, talked us into recording a few songs and they took it up to CBS Records in Nashville and played, the, played our uh, songs to those guys. And they signed us to a record deal. And uh, you know, it was really, to be honest, we, we, it was hard to imagine that any kind of real success would happen for us. It did for me at least. Mark can speak for himself, but for me it seemed like such a faraway dream, you know. 
to have any kind of real success, even though we had a record deal. Mm -hmm. You know, and our first couple of singles didn't do very much. They did probably what we expected them to do, not a lot on the charts. Mm -hmm. But then we had a song called uh, Mama Knows that came out and was just a huge hit. And, you know, I still remember us pinching ourselves going, golly, man, that's, that's us with that hit song on the radio. Mama Knows was a big hit, went to number four on Billboard and was followed by uh, Church on Cumberland Road, which went to number one yep. for two weeks. And uh, then Sunday in the South followed that, Two Dozen Roses followed that, Next to You, Next to Me followed that. And it's just, you know, we still pinch ourselves really at the success we've had. The good Lord's really blessed us. Absolutely. Uh, and I gotta ask, I know when CBS went to sign you, they made you change your name, right? You, you well, actually, we didn't even have a name. They, yeah. People called us the MGM band just because that was the name of the club we played in. Oh. Yeah, we, we actually we actually didn't have a name. Uh, where we played and what everybody knew us as, uh, you, you know, we, we were pretty popular in the area because, you know, we'd done a lot of top 40, you know, country and rock. So, therefore, when, when people, you know, would go to, to drink and to dance and that mm -hmm. type of stuff, you know, they came to the MGM and said, man, let's go hear the MGM band. Yeah, it was a honky-tonk. Yeah, so, you know, there was no need for us having a having a name. It, and to be honest with you, at the time, uh, you know, before a record deal came, it, we wasn't studying, you know, what, what we mentioned. We call ourselves the uh, the Desperados, the Mavericks, the... Uh, the pinatas, or you know, <laughs> you know, we, there was no sense in us having a name. Once we got a deal, though, obviously we had to come up with a name, and uh, the name that we actually liked collectively as the band was uh, Diamond Rio. But, <laughs> but I know, hey, and that's how they got their name. Marty used to play in a band with a drummer, really, that was yeah. in that band. I gotta hear that story. Oh yeah, yeah, he'll tell you that story. But yeah, we, uh, you know, we liked the name Diamond Rio, and Rick Hall wouldn't let us name ourselves that. <laughs> Said it wasn't a commercial name. Wow. And uh, he said, uh, I like the name Shenandoah. Well, we weren't crazy about it, to be honest with you. Uh, it wasn't our first choice, and we just kind of snarled our nose a little bit at it. And, but he insisted, you know, so we ended up going with the name Shenandoah, and didn't, he didn't run a trademark search on it. And it turned out there were some other Shenandoahs in the country. And, yeah, I read about that. Yeah, oh, it was boy. a big, big stink. But, you know, we own it now, and that's all that matters. The glass is half full. That's great. No, it's funny you mentioned Diamond Rio because one of the first country stars I ever interviewed was by surprise was Dana Williams. Oh yeah, we know Dana. <laughs> we, we uh, I was going to interview Williams and Reed. Steve yeah, Hall had introduced I those me guys. To, yeah. to Williams and Reed, and I went to interview them, and they said we have a special guest, Dana Williams. So I'm like, uh, Dana Williams, Dana Williams, and I'm doing research, and I find this Dana Williams that is a black woman. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and not the Dana Williams from <laughs> Real, and I'm like not putting two and two together, and so. Then we're on with them. I go, crap, wrong Dana Williams. <laughs> I'm oh, researching wow. while I'm doing the interview. So that's, that's, that's funny. funny you mentioned that's that. That's funny. I have to ask about Mama Knows. Yeah. Now, this is probably the dumbest question you'll ever get. But you know who Jim Stafford is, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, certainly. He did a different song called Mama Knows. That did was not know the, that. The same conceit. But I was going to ask if you knew about it, if it was like For, a That's the first I've heard. You heard that? No, I, in fact, I'd never heard that. In fact, uh, Tony, Tony Hazelton and Tim Menzi were the ones that wrote Mama Knows. Oh, wow. So, now, they may have. Mm -hmm. uh, if they did, they stole the title, right? Well, well, <laughs> well, well, well. I think this was after you. I think if he did it, he lifted from you. You know, I'll tell you a funny thing about Jim Stafford. The guy that's our keyboard player, Stan Muncy, yeah. uh, used to play keyboard with Jim Stafford years ago on the road. Oh, wow. Oh, very, very cool. Actually, speaking of the band, let's talk about this configuration, this reconfiguration, the couple-year break you had, came back in 2000. Um, 
you have somebody as new as 2016. How has that been with gelling with uh, with Brad, who joined you not even two years ago? Has it been an easy mending melding process? Uh, yeah, you know, first and foremost, I mean, we we uh, we tend to want to make sure that we get guys that 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 we know can carry the mail, and and what I mean by that is to be able to pull their gig, and therefore. You know, from that point on, you know what you, what you run into is is personalities. Mm -hmm. And look, when you're gonna get out there on a on a 45 foot Prevo and you're gonna ride up and down the road, you need to get to know each other pretty well, just the same way we did riding in a in a van and a trailer for a year and a half. So therefore, you know, uh, personalities and the way people get along, and you know, their courtesy to one another is, is a real big thing. In fact, to be honest with you, uh, that actually means more than their ability of, of, their, of their musicianship. Yeah, you got to get along out there on and the road. Because if you don't, look, you know, either you get the cancer or the cancer gets you. Yeah, all it takes so, is one bad apple, man. It'll ruin everything. And it stirs up dissension, and before it's all over, you know, you can get a, you can get a, you know, you can get a bad drought of, of, of some ill feelings and that kind of stuff. So, you know, which the one thing that I will say about, you know, Mike and I, I mean, we, 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 don't, we don't do the dramatic thing very good. So therefore, you know, look, we, we believe in, in reasoning with people and getting that stuff taken care of real quick. Uh, Brad came along, uh, being the newest member in the band. Yeah, wasn't uh, he playing uh, when you were doing your bluegrass? He played bass for you. Yeah, bluegrass. I, he was playing in the in the. And I, before I came back with Shenandoah for eleven years, I was doing. You know, I had a bluegrass band, yep. and uh, I actually had him playing bass. So when when we needed a bass player, I said, you know, look, man, I, I got a guy that's playing with me. You know, that that plays really really well, and. Uh, and I said, you know, he 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 literally would, fit, you know, he'd fit the bill, you know, and so therefore he does. And he's a great, he's really a terrific bass player, a terrific harmony singer. You know, he sings the baritone harmonies in our band. He's a really really talented guy. Very very cool. I, I want to talk about your return. What what led you to come back? There were so many different configurations of the group from, from '97 on. What made you say in 2014, I'm, I'm going to come back? Well, you know, actually, it, it was something that uh, that had really kind of, honestly, truly really been pretty much in the works. Uh, I'd say ever since probably uh, 2002, 2003, around in there. You know, they, there's three or four times, you know, we talked about, you know, putting the wheels back on it and, and uh, taking her out for a spin. And, it, and every time we, we would get closer, we would talk about it. Just kind of, it just didn't seem like it, you know, was the right timing. You know, the timing didn't seem right. And so therefore, in 2014, when Mike called me, he said, look, said, you know, we, you know, we want to know if you're still interested in doing this thing. You know, look, let's me and you and Jim meet and let's see what we Because we'd about. get people all through the year saying, man, when are you guys going to get back together? You know, because yeah. Marty, I mean, when Marty was gone, I didn't have another career to fall back on. So me and Jim Seals continued doing Shenandoah shows without Marty. It wasn't the same, right. you know, here, you know, us doing all those big hits like Mama Knows and two dozen roses and all those big hits we had, but somebody else singing it, it just wasn't the same. You know, so when uh, when Marty decided that he, he was ready to come back, I remember the first show we did was up in Canada. You know, and we when we kicked off the first song, it was Marty coming out those speakers for a change after all those years of doing it without him. It just seemed like home. You know, it seemed like the, seemed like the right thing. Did it feel like home? 
Yeah, you know, it really did, Matt. You know, it, it just kind of, you know, I, I don't think that you you go through uh, some of the things that we had went through. You know, we talked about the name and, uh, you know, the lawsuits of all that stuff. I, I don't think you'd run the road and, and you, you stay out there with, with, with fellas for 10 years. Yeah, we're like brothers. And, and not, not, not feeling some bit of some stability there. And uh, There's a real so brotherhood with us. So therefore, you know, jumping back in the saddle, I mean, it was kind of like, all right, okay. Man, this is it. Yeah, this feels good. It's comfortable. And, uh, you know, and, and, and from that point on, I mean, we've just been, we've been fortunate uh, in a lot of different ways. The Lord has truly blessed us. Uh, we've been able to, uh, to go and, and, and get a, uh, a great record producer in Jada Marcus. But let me say this, the mathematical probability of everything in the world that's been going on with us would have to be the province of God. I mean, that's, that's the only way in the world that you can, you can take that. And, you know, because the acts that were out in the 80s and the early 90s like we were, and during that era, there's one. There's none of those acts that have a major record label deal. I mean, currently this week, uh, we've we've got a record that's sitting at, at number thirty and climbing. Uh, at, yeah, and with a bullet, you know. So therefore, you know that you accompany that with Jay Demarcus. You know, uh, we wound up having a tremendously wonderful, talented manager that literally just fell in our lap. Uh, Therefore, you know, the, the directions uh, that, that we've been taking, the, the things that have been, been happening, I mean, it, it literally has been like we've been led of God in which to do what we're doing because we actually do have a purpose and a reason, you know, to be in this business. And, you know, and it's not always about music. It's literally about being able to come in and out of people's lives and touch people. And I think people want to be touched by your type of music now, I think, more than ever in this in this millennium because we are just getting pounded over the head with arena country. Oh yeah. Well, and rap you know the, the, the thing that 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 when Jay and and Mike and myself when we had a chance to have opportunity to talk, Jay asked the question, what do y'all think in direction? You know, what what are y'all thinking about kind of continuing doing the same type thing or or you know, you're looking for something a little edgy or anything like that. You know, the one thing that we've always felt real, real strong about was the ability to, to reach people because of the lyric content. You know, what it, what it literally had to say to somebody. In other words, when somebody would hear a song, it didn't have to be explained to them. And it's, that's not advocating that, that, that somebody's not intelligent. It just, it was one of those kind of things where people could literally put themselves in that position and truly understand you know what what that part of life or that part of living because look unfortunately bad things happen to good people right. and, and it does but that's that's part of life but the but the best way in the world to ever understand what true music is is to understand what the true life in the in the music can be so therefore uh you know we've always believed in trying to trying to do the things just just like on this particular project we've got now uh, with the tunes that we picked, you know, we wanted to lean toward a a lyric that that literally would say and could say a great deal to somebody when they would hear it. You know, you know this as well as I do, Matt. You know, music's powerful. You know, whether it's up or whether it's down, if it reaches in and gets the heart of you, or whether it excites something to you that you want to pat your 
hands and, and stomp your feet. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's motivating the emotion in, in several different ways, and that's what music does. You know, we don't have anything against ditties. We, we cut a few ditties, you know. Yeah. Next to you, next to me was kind of a ditty. So was If Bubba Can Dance, I Can Too. But more importantly to us, I mean, we loved having those toe-tapper fun yeah. songs like that. But, man, we recorded songs like I Want to Be Loved like that. Mm -hmm. You know, songs like Marty's talking about, the lyric content is so uh, so heartfelt in it. You know, Sunday in the South, Mama Knows. And there's a lot of songs that we did that really had something to say, and you just don't hear that much. It's like nowadays on country radio, everything's got to be a ditty. You know, yeah. it's got to have a drum loop underneath it, you know, and just not say anything but just rhyme ten times in a row. You know, and it's a song. Well, that's not a song to us, you know. So how did it feel going back in the studio with that goal and, and to sit at that microphone? It felt great, you know. Yeah, we uh, we were a little did. apprehensive, wondering if we still had it, so to speak, you know. And and uh, But by the time we got through running the first song, it really felt like the old saying about riding a bicycle, you know. We just, it was there. It was with us all along. Now, the elephant on the track list is that it is nine live songs, which I'm excited to hear, but only three new songs. Is this... Yep. Treading, is this testing the waters for you guys? Not really. I mean, the way the whole thing started, Marty was saying earlier about, you talked about Jay DeMarcus. Well, Jay called me out of the blue one day about three months after Marty had rejoined the band, and he had heard, the, you know, rumors. Nashville's a pretty small community as far as the music community is. So rumors started going around Music Row that Marty Rabin's back with Shenandoah. And so Jay DeMarcus found out my phone number and called me. He'd never called me before. But he called me one day and said, hey man, this is Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats. He said, I'm hearing a rumor up here that Marty's rejoined Shenandoah, is that true? And I said, yeah, Jay, it sure is, man. He just came back a few months ago. And he said, look, man, he said, I'm a huge Shenandoah fan. He said, all the Rascal Flat guys are Shenandoah fans. The first song we ever sang together was y'all's first number one record, Church on Cumberland Road. And he said, I'd love to take y'all in the studio and see if we can't get a, you know, a record deal for you guys. So. We came to Nashville and spent a couple of days looking for songs, probably went through 300 songs or more, and uh, picked five songs and recorded five songs. And then they took it to, uh, to BMG, and BMG loved it, but they wanted us to do a live album with all of our original hits. Well, that's something that we'd been yeah. talking about doing since before the, the original band kind of broke up. You know, we wanted to do a live album way back in those days, but the labels would never do it. So I think they probably wanted to do it just because they felt like, you know, we'd never done a live album, you know, so that would be all new. But I'm sure, second of all, they wanted to be able to sell this album with songs on it that people recognize, you know, and uh, so that's what we did. We went in to cut, uh, cut nine uh, of the original hits live and, uh, and then picked three of the, the five songs with Jay DeMarcus, and that's, uh, that's this album now. Very cool. How recent are those recordings of the, of the live songs? Are we uh, they they're they're they were last year. Late last year. The reason I ask that is because how are you finding with audiences songs that were, I, because I love these stories that are 10, 20 years old, how are they resonating with, with your audiences and fans? Same as ever? They, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really, really good way of looking at it uh, this way. Uh, you know, what we try to do more than anything else in the world is, you know, we, Maddie, we, you know, we really honestly try to entertain people. Uh, you know, we realize that, that people that come to the show, it, it's because they want to hear uh, Vicinity of the Heart, and they, and they want to hear Moon Over Georgian. 
ghost in his house. So, so we know that. You know, we got that. People yeah. want to escape this crazy world we're in, yeah. you know, and we're kind of like a time machine. They can yeah. go back for two hours, 90 minutes to two hours, and go into this time machine with us and listen to all those old big hits that we have. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Hugh Presswood said it best. Uh, the song remembers when, yeah. and and it really does. I mean, you know, it, it gives you a chance to kind of go back. But uh, with 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 being being able to uh, take the, the the songs of the past, you know what we've what we've always tried to do more than anything is is to keep a little bit of spontaneity uh, in the show. Look, people people can read whether you're into the end of the show or you're, you look man this this acts like it's killing this guy yeah uh, you know he, he wants to get his 90 minutes done and he wants to get on the bus and he wants to get out of town well we, we tend to want to believe and and what we do is 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 we realize and we learn we realize this really early in our career and that was is is that that we come to the understanding that that people they pay a ticket to come see you. Uh, people have to make some concessions. You know, some some people get off work early. If they do, it's probably about enough hours that probably would have paid for the ticket. Okay, and maybe even some others. Some some would say, "Look, as close as they're getting, I'm going to have to take the day off work to go see them." So therefore, you know, you you take that into consideration. Well, you know, they had to get a babysitter. So the one thing that that, that, that we tried to do in inter- being part of the entertainment, trying to entertain people, is to realize literally what, you know, it wasn't just us coming to town. Look, we came to town because it was work. It, there was work here, that's why we came. But we also came to do work that, that is a job for us. And the best way in the world that we can do it, if we want to keep it enjoyable for us, then we need to, we need to understand that we need to keep it enjoyable for people, and therefore we need to allow people that, that they can be a part of the show in entertaining them, and therefore if we can do that, then that's that's exactly what we got paid for was to be able to do that. So in in doing that for ninety minutes a night and sometimes even longer than that, if if we literally captivated them and we 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 allowed them to be a part of a show and. And we built the bridge from the front row to the to, to the front of the stage, and they're able to cross over, and we're able to cross back that way. At the end of 90 minutes or two hours, they they literally literally participated in a show instead of watching one yeah. for 90 minutes. That's wonderful, and it seems like that's the focus of, of country music. I think more than any other genre that performs live. Yeah, and, and I believe that as well. Yeah. I really Country do. Country music's always had a special bond with it's their fans. It's been personal. You know, back in the, in our day, there used to be a thing called fanfare. It's kind of morphed into CMA Fest now. But back in our day, they used to have the, the uh, fanfare event out at the fairgrounds. And all the artists would go out there, and they would have a table set up, and they would, they would sit there for hours and hours and hours signing autographs for anybody and everybody that, that wanted to, to come get one, get a photo, we did that. I'll never forget Garth Brooks when Garth had first got big. Yep. Garth sat there for 24 hours one night and signed autographs literally around the clock. Yeah, he stood. He never sat down. Yeah. He stood, and people just kept going. And yeah. finally, I think his manager had to pull him away. Yeah, probably did, knowing Garth. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but that's the, the thing about country music and their fans. We, I'm not saying people in pop music don't appreciate their fans. I really don't know one way or the other, to be honest with you. But I know that the country music artists really appreciate the, our fan base. It, it, it seems like it, I, I think it's I think the appreciation is there it just is harder to 
demonstrated. Pop yeah. doesn't have the kinds of opportunities yeah. that a fanfare or yeah. a CMA fest. Now you wouldn't you wouldn't believe how many friends, not fans, but friends we've made being at fanfare and at our autograph tables at our show. Yeah. We've really met so many people that are just uh, some of the biggest hearted people you can imagine. That's really wonderful. I wanted to ask, go back to the beginning for just a second. Being from Alabama, yep. being from deep, deep south, why was it traditional country for you? Why wasn't it southern rock? I mean, there's influences in that southern was, what yeah, you Yeah, I do, mean, we probably went golly, we played music, so we played a lot of southern rock, you know, but, uh, but country music was always at our heart. You know, Marty grew up, his, his favorite acts was George Jones and Merle Haggard. You yep. know, that's who he loved. And Bluegrass, he came out of Bluegrass. You know, I grew up in a Bluegrass family, you know. But I liked, and still to this day, we like all kinds of music if it's good. Yeah. You know, it don't have to be country. But country is where our hearts were and still are. Is there anybody you look to today? I know it's, it's a harder landscape, but anybody you look to today and go, I really like what they're doing with country or with, or with Southern rock and maybe is even a little bit of an influence to you. Yeah, I mean, we all have our own favorites, I think. You know? Yeah, I, I tell you, man, I, I'm literally uh, probably one of the biggest Keith Urban fans. And wow. and the reason why that is is because, you know, one of the things that I really liked about Merle Haggard was that Merle Haggard could write songs, he played guitar, and he was a tremendous singer. You know, and, and, and although they're different, you know, and, and people have preferences, and, and I, I understand all that. But see, I, I think Keith Urban presents the same, same quality. For one thing, he's a tremendous guitar player, he's a great songwriter, and he's, and he's a fantastic singer. So therefore, he's the whole package. Now, that doesn't keep me from liking Thomas Rhett. In fact, let me say this, uh, Maddie. We we never believed, we never have ever, have we ever believed even in the early days, like when 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 we first started out, just because we were in the country music business, everybody loved Shenandoah. Mm -hmm. We'd never believed that. Right. Uh, we wanted we wanted to be a part of it, but we wanted to be a part of it with the people that that, that wanted to be a fan of ours. Just because, you know, uh, we had a record out didn't mean that, you know, Garth fans were going to leave Garth because we had a record. Look, people have preferences, and what they like, they like. And and so, therefore, you know, I, I, I tend to like the people that are very creative. Jada Marcus, to me, is, is probably one of the most creative minds that I think that's, that's literally running the streets of Nashville, Tennessee these days. I mean, he, he he absolutely is. He's brilliant. Yeah, he is. You know, I tell. I mean, for me, you know, two two acts come to mind as far as guys that's out there right now, or girls for that matter. I guess if you consider the girls too, there's three of them. Because I mean, I love Miranda Lambert. Oh yeah. Uh, but Blake Shelton, you know, Blake has become one of the true superstars in our genre of music. You know, but man, Blake. One of the things I've always admired about Blake, he's he doesn't pretend to be a songwriter. He tried, he's like really he's kind of like we were even though we were songwriters we kind of put our songwriting in the back seat and we looked for the best songs we could get man Blake Shelton has cut some of the best songs if you look back I mean all the way back to Austin remember the stuff he was yeah. doing when he first started out man he cut some awesome songs you know and then I mean I'd love to have a Blake Shelton greatest hits CD and I tell you another guy we were listening uh, this morning coming over uh, uh, going to an interview somewhere and Dirk Bentley came on the radio, and I made the comment. I said, "You know what, man? Dirk Bentley has cut some really great songs. I mean, I love a lot of his songs. 
I've never bought one of his records, but I may go get one now. Because, yeah. you know, it's come to my mind that, golly, he's got a lot of great songs, you know, that I like. You know, that I would enjoy listening to going up and down the road, you know. That's really, really wonderful that, uh, that you guys are still looking out. And, I mean, how did it feel when Jay called you? I mean, surreal. It was surreal. I mean, Jay DeMarc, one of the biggest bands in, in the business, you know. Here's Jay DeMarcus. I'd never met Jay before. You know, I, the first, my first reaction was, it's a prank. You know, somebody's <laughs> calling it's a prank. But, I mean, I knew his voice well enough, I guess, from hearing him on TV and, and radio. I knew it was him. And it was surreal. You know, really surreal. That's really cool. You know, I have to say, on the tour schedule, I, uh, I, wish, um, I wish you guys had some dates up here. We do too. Really, I didn't see. Oh man, we you know we played last night. No, no, we we wish we're like you. We wish we did too. Yeah, (laughs) last night was the first time we ever played a song in New York City. Oh wow! We played at the. uh, That's unbelievable uh, in thirty years. The Grand Ole Opry's got that new venue here. You were at the Opry. Yeah, yeah, Opry. We did two songs. We did two songs with the uh, the house band, the Bluegrass. Was it like a pop up thing? Yeah, that's exactly what it was called. A pop up. That's that's very cool. But that was our first time to even utter a melody and a lyric to. A what, song in New York City. What song did you... Uh, we did uh, Two Dozen Roses in Church on Cumberland Road. Oh, wow. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. I, you know, I love your style. I love the pictures you guys create. And, Thank you. And I really love your music. I wish you... I hope you guys come out with a full-length album. Oh, we will. Yeah, oh, well, we, we are. We are. In We're fact, already looking for songs for that Yeah, in, in fact, we, 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 you know, of course, brainstorming, that kind of stuff, you know, a lot of things. When you get a chance to ride the bus, because, see, we look, we love the road stuff. Yeah. I mean, we we really do. We're road dogs, and, you know. We're kind of like Willie Nelson. You know, he lives on. Yeah. One one of the most relaxing things in the world is, especially if somebody else is driving. I mean, you get on the bus and you, you either you on your phone or either you're watching a movie or you're watching, you know, the TV with a satellite on. So so therefore, you know, it it's kind of like you're. You're in your environment. You get tired. You got your own bunk, you know, and everybody kind of makes their own bunk, kind of like their own house, because you know they, you know they put pictures up in their bunk and you know kind of make it your own little space, you know. But yeah. you go get in that bunk at night after you get tired, and and you go to sleep, and you wake up the next day, and you're 500 miles from where you were before you went. It's kind of a time machine. Yeah. In a way, you know. It's, you know, it's so it's the backbone of what you do, and I'm excited to see what this. Uh, New chapter now with you back and everything continuing to tour. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen, for being thank here. Thank you, Matt. Hey, really appreciate the time. Matt, thank you for having us, buddy. This was really fun. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Reloaded is available now on iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever albums are sold. And you can also find Shenandoah online at shenandoahband.com. That is S-H-E-N-A-N-D-O-A-H band.com and i hope to see them live really really soon i was a little upset that there weren't any uh new york dates on the books yet but uh i'm sure there will be soon because they are road warriors and they will not stop touring and before we sign off i want to say thank you to our season sponsors because we didn't do this at the top thank you axtel expressions and the Tangent Bound Network, you know I love you guys. And that's it for us today. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and at what I love to call our mothership, talkfor2.com for more. Talk about us on social media using hashtag talkfor2 and reach out directly to me at talkfor2cast at gmail.com. Signing off for Talk for Two, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.